The Education Ministry is under fire after abruptly reversing its decision to let Chinese students resume their studies in Taiwan. On Wednesday, the ministry sent a notice to universities stating that all international students would be allowed to return. But when speaking to press later that day, an education official said Chinese students would be excluded from the policy due to the state of cross-strait relations. KMT lawmakers have blasted the government for the decision, but officials say the suspension is only temporary. 呃，收到这个消息之后是感到非常错愕，也对教育部的做法非常失望。Shocked uh, and disappointed, Ah Cao represents a group that advocates for international students' rights. He denounced the education ministry's policy U-turn, which has devastated Chinese students hoping to return to Taiwan.学生当然也是非常心急，而且知道说这个航班数量很少。Lots of students were rushing, of course. They knew the flights would be limited, so they booked tickets immediately. And then the same evening, they get the news and they're devastated. We cannot understand why the government would make such a massive policy U-turn. Earlier on Wednesday, the education ministry wrote to universities, saying that with the pandemic easing, all foreign students would be allowed back into the country. But Chinese nationals, who make up the majority of foreign students, were blindsided when officials rescinded their green light that night. Halfway through an evening press briefing, Deputy Minister Liu Mengqi stepped off stage for several minutes. When he came back, he announced that Chinese students were excluded from the reopening. In light of the developments in the cross-strait situation, we have decided to suspend the reopening for Chinese students who are not graduating this year. The decision incensed lawmaker Chen Yuzhen, who chairs the legislature's internal administration committee. She led a group of KMT lawmakers to the Mainland Affairs Council on Thursday. Of course, Chinese youth can't compete with the U.S. Secretary of Health. They can't even compete with foreign laborers. This is what the Thai government is telling us. There really is a hierarchy of lower and higher. That's not how government should be. Please have some empathy. To all our questions, they say the Central Epidemic Command Center makes the decisions. But the Epidemic Command said that on the issue, it came down to the Mainland Affairs Council, which made a choice based on the cross-strait situation. I think trying to pass the buck like that shows how irresponsible the government is. After some negotiations, the legislators got Mainland Affairs Council Minister Chen Mingtong to join an internal administration committee meeting where they thrashed the issue out. There are more than 3,000 Chinese students, but in reality, the ones who are really desperate clamoring to get back here, there are only about a dozen. We're on high alert with coronavirus right now, so we want to have discernment in our policies. We've suspended Chinese students' return for now, but that doesn't mean we're not letting them return. We will let them return. Please be assured of that. In July, final-year Chinese students were already given the green light to come back to Taiwan. Of over 1,000 eligible students, so far, just 85 have applied for re-entry. China is the one putting up obstacles, says the Mainland Affairs Council. Beijing's travel permit officers have been demanding that Taiwanese universities remove the word national from their names before students' permits are approved. Students' dreams of completing their studies have lots of hurdles to go yet. 
Turning now to coronavirus cases in Taiwan. One new imported case was announced Thursday. The man in his 60s returned to Taiwan after a prolonged period of working in South Africa. He shared a car to the South African airport with two fellow passengers who subsequently tested positive in Taiwan. Meanwhile, tests on the contacts of two infected engineers are ongoing, but so far all have come out negative. Calls for universal border testing are growing, but leading expert Dr. Lee Binging says the policy would be costly and ineffective. The latest patient in his 60s developed stomach problems and muscle pains while in quarantine before testing positive. He flew back to Taiwan on July 25th on the same plane as patients number 460 and 461. He wasn't sitting near them, but they were neighbors in South Africa and shared a ride to the airport, a likely source of the cluster, say officials. On that day, the patient's son drove the three patients to the airport in one car. The ride took about 40 minutes. It's not certain whether he wore a mask in the vehicle. Tests continue in the contacts of foreign national engineers who are believed to have caught COVID-19 in Taiwan. All 462 contacts of the Belgian patient have tested negative, but 77 contacts of the Japanese individual are still to get the all clear. Meanwhile, a Taiwanese woman in her 50s has tested positive in Hong Kong. She was declared negative on entry on July 27th and flouted quarantine rules before a second test on August 2nd showed she had the virus. An investigation of her case has begun within Taiwan. Hong Kong has provisionally classed her as a local case. Of course, we will also trace and test her contacts here. With the pandemic continuing to mutate, calls for universal screenings are growing. But Dr. Li Bingying, a consultant to the Central Epidemic Command Center, is set against the idea. If you screen all the entries at the border, it will cost 4.2 million NT a day. Such a measure will mean public health authorities are hemorrhaging money, but it will lead to the virus spreading. Because people with a long incubation period will still not be caught, but you will shorten the quarantine, and then that will lead to cases getting out. I am 200% opposed to this idea. Lee is convinced the cost of universal border tests is prohibitive, and even more so for universal tests across the population. A quarantine of 14 days is the most reliable and cost-effective policy, he says. With a recent rise in COVID cases, demand for face masks is surging. This week, 7.32 million masks were sold through the government ration system each day. That's 2 million more than the average in June before Taiwan lifted its COVID restrictions. On the retail market, masks are increasingly hard to find and prices are creeping up. One brand that used to cost 280 NT a box is now going for up to 350 NT. Some retailers are selling packs of 50 for 510 NT, which is double the cost of rationed masks. The annual children's carnival, Bravo's Water Park, will run for nine days at the Taipei Water Park starting August 14th. The event will have a seven-meter-high water slide, among other amusement facilities. In the evening, families can also enjoy concerts and performances. Children spray water guns with Taipei City's mascot, Bravo the Bear. 
This year's Taipei Riverside Children's Fun Carnival, called Bravo's Water Park, will be held from August 14th to 16th and from August 18th to the 23rd. Both children and adults can keep cool in the water and enjoy the different facilities that the park has to offer. At this water park, you'll be able to slide down this 7 meter tall water slide. It looks exciting. I want to take on the challenge. I also find it very exciting. I could play with my sister. This year's event is located at Taipei Water Park. It will be combined with the ongoing 2020 Taipei Water Festival held at the same venue, providing access to two events with one ticket. Bravo's Water Park has water slides, games, performances, and a cultural market. There are also free tours every Saturday and Sunday that will take visitors to explore Taipei Water Park and the nearby Guanying Mountain and Treasure Hill Artist Village. We combine both events so that people can enjoy two different events. We have prepared two big water slides this year. The one behind us is 7 meters tall, and the second one is 60 meters. We will control the amount of people who can use the two slides, so children can enjoy themselves and also prevent the spread of disease. There will also be a children's concert held the evening of August 15th. Starting from August 16th, there will be two to three performances every day. For most of news, Stephanie Ye, Huang Yutuan in Taipei. Scientists say they are a step closer to curing baldness after unraveling the inner workings of goosebumps. In collaboration with Harvard University, National Taiwan University researchers found that the muscles that produce goosebumps are vital for regulating hair growth. Restoring those muscles could lead to new hair, scientists say. Their finding also opens possibilities for controlling the muscle nerve system that drives hair regeneration. When a person is cold, nervous, or scared, tiny, smooth muscles in the skin contract and create goosebumps. In a new study, scientists found that this mechanism also promotes hair growth. When goosebumps are present, it means the sympathetic nerve is activated at a high level. That high level of activity drives hair follicle stem cell activation to a much higher level, which rapidly accelerates hair growth. National Taiwan University researchers did the study in collaboration with a team at Harvard University. They found that in response to cold, the sympathetic nervous system goes into high gear, stimulating muscle contraction and creating goosebumps. At the same time, the sympathetic nerve dials up the activity of stem cells, which accelerates hair growth to keep the body warm over the long term. In hair follicle stem cells, there are some receptors specific to sympathetic nerve neurotransmitters. Those receptors can be stimulated by drugs that mimic the nerve signal. There is no need to stimulate the hair follicles by subjecting the person to low temperatures, moving emotions, or extreme fear. It turns out that this phenomenon regulates the mechanism used by hair follicle stem cells. This study was published in the prestigious medical journal Cell. National Taiwan University said that it's already running animal tests to follow up on the findings. We're now conducting animal experiments, and it looks like a viable approach. For human application, there are several hurdles to clear. There are safety and efficacy assessments. Each step of the process will take two to three years. So all told, it could take six to ten years. It takes a long time to bring a new drug to market, particularly because of safety testing. Drug development could take at least six years, but researchers are confident they're on the right path toward an effective cure for baldness. 
Taiwan's life expectancy at birth has risen to a record high of 80.9 years old. That's according to 2019 statistics released Wednesday by the Ministry of the Interior. But the farther south you go, the less long you can expect to live. Babies born in Kaohsiung can expect to live 79.56 years, while those born in Taipei can expect 83.9 years, the most in the country. Officials say this four-year gap is related to regional disparities in medical resources. They move to the music. Before too long, they've worked up a sweat. At Taipei's youth park, there are always many seniors getting limber. I came out at about 6 or 7. After exercising, I went back, took a nap and ate. I came out to exercise again at around 2 or 3. The Ministry of the Interior announced that in 2019, the average life expectancy at birth was 80.9 years. That's 1.85 years longer than the average 10 years ago. For 2019, the average life expectancy of males was 77.7 years, while that of females was 84.2 years. Both represent a record high. Among the six special municipalities, Taipei City has the highest at 83.9 years. Among the cities and counties, Shinju City has the highest at 81.4 years. Taipei has the highest life expectancy of the six special municipalities, followed by New Taipei at 81.52 years. In Taoyuan, it's 81.09 years. In Taichung, it's 80.83 years. In Tainan, it's 80.23 years. In Kaohsiung, it's 79.56 years. The farther south you go, the lower the number drops. In Taidong County, the average life expectancy is 76.33 years, which is five years shorter than the national average. The healthcare here is worse. It's easy to have a car accident. It could be due to insufficient medical resources. Mainly, it's because on the West Coast, there is greater ease of transport. The healthcare is more sufficient. Factors such as healthcare access and living standards affect the length of life of those living in Taiwan. The longevity gap between the North and South reflects resource disparities between urban and rural areas. Taidong's sugar apple farmers are turning to e-commerce to tap into a lucrative overseas market. Sugar apples are an important cash crop for Taidong, but they're notorious for spoiling fast and being tricky to export. But farmers in Taidong's Taimali township have discovered a new model that's working. Through an e-commerce site, they are picking up orders from retail customers in Hong Kong and Macau who receive their air-freighted sugar apples within three days. Traditionally, sugar apple farmers have focused on the wholesale trade and relied on container ships. Air shipping is more expensive and can double the price of the fruit, but it also guarantees fresh deliveries. Farmers say their new direct-to-consumer business is getting traction among wealthy foreigners with a big appetite for premium fruit. The summer sun is relentless this year, but residents of Kaohsiung should take heart. A new mango ice treat is about to hit the city. The Agriculture Bureau has worked with local farmers and manufacturers to create an ice dessert full of chunks of real fruit. Officials hope it will bolster the economy and satisfy Kaohsiung's sweet tooth. Shaved ice falls softly into the bowl like a shower of snow. But this shower is laced with delicious fresh fruit. 
Chunks of mango ice cream replace the normal fruit juice flavoring. The chunks are 90% mango and 10% milk. Together with the ice, its look, its color, and taste are all fresh and really fruity. It's a great ice treat for the summer. Kaohsiung's Agriculture Bureau has brought manufacturers together with Liu Gui District Farmers Association to bring the local specialty to new heights. The famous golden mango melts into creamy milk to make these irresistible fruity chunks. These mango chunks have been made by local manufacturers with local mango to create this ice treat. Firstly, it's helping farmers to promote their products. Secondly, it's giving a second wind to the products. And thirdly, it gives local residents a chance to enjoy local products. The special treat goes on sale in Kaohsiung from Saturday, August 8th. It's a scorching summer, and ice as sweet as this will be hard to resist. More Taiwan airlines are rolling out flights to nowhere to cater to those who miss overseas travel. Following the success of the first fantasy flight, which was operated by China Airlines in July, more carriers have added mock experiences to their schedule. On Thursday, a Tiger Air Taiwan flight carried 90 passengers on a trip around Taiwan and through Japanese airspace. Passengers were treated to breathtaking views as they enjoyed a meal prepared by a Michelin-starred restaurant. On Friday, a Starlux Airlines plane will be flown by Starlux CEO and professional pilot Zhang Guowei. Then on Saturday, to celebrate Father's Day, EVA Air and China Airlines will stage their own fantasy experiences. Seats are already sold out for all of this week's four events.